You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Election College, Episode 232, Andrew Johnson. Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks, but did it always? It's time for Election College, and class is in session. Now, your hosts, Jason Goff and Ben Smith. Ben, it was always in school that we heard about the only president to have been impeached. Of course, now he's not the only president to have been impeached. But Andrew Johnson, what's up with this guy? Yeah, he's a little bit of a a maverick, I guess you could say. Or maybe not a maverick, but probably at least uh, rocked the boat a few times. And It's all mavericky. It's all mavericky. Definitely one of the more interesting cases here of an impeachment trial. Yeah, so... There is a lot of stuff to talk about, Andrew Johnson, a lot more than I thought. And I think, ladies and gentlemen, we're not going to leave you in suspense. I think this is going to take a couple episodes to talk about this guy. (laughs) But uh, Andrew Johnson, he was born in Raleigh, North Carolina in December of 1808. And he was born in a log cabin, which in the 1800s was kind of the thing to do be born in a log cabin right yeah it's all the rage like designer babies it's basically the same thing (laughs) so his dad was not of major financial means in other words he's poor and he became the town constable of raleigh before he got married and started a family and get this ben the way he died he was ringing the town bell i suppose because he had just saved three drowning men and andrew was three years old and he's ringing the bell i guess going hey i saved these three boys i don't know did you get anything more than that no uh but he had a heart attack while he's ringing the bell it's crazy it's kind of sad yeah definitely so polly his mom uh worked as a washerwoman and she was basically the you know single mom working at that point after uh, his father had died And she would go into other people's homes and basically do their laundry. And, uh, you know, a lot of people didn't like this job. They thought her job was menial, and I'm sure sometimes it could be feel like that. And uh, it kind of let a lot of rumors happen. And some of the rumors were that maybe Andrew had been fathered by a different man because he didn't really look a whole lot like his brother or sister or anything like that. And uh, it caused a lot of controversy in the family. So eventually, Polly gets remarried. Uh, she marries Turner Daughtry. Uh, and he's also poor. So, you know, it worked out. Ben, it's kind of crazy. We've talked about this with other people from this era. But every time I think about it, I just think, oh, my goodness, this wasn't that long ago. But Andy, we, we can call him Andy. Sure. Because Abe later on calls him Andy. So Andy, his brother, who was quite a bit older than him 
I'm like four years older, uh, was apprenticed to a tailor named James Selby. And then Andy becomes an apprentice also to Selby when he was 10 years old. And get this, he was legally bound to serve him until he was 21 years old. So like 11 years. Here you go, buddy. You're going to be an apprentice, whether you like it or not. So Andy lived with his mom for part of that time. And then after that, one of Selby's employees taught him how to read. So he was kind of educated in a tailor shop. So he was learning a trade and learning some other stuff during that time. And he really enjoyed, he would have been, he's probably the president who would have liked to have listened to podcasts because a lot of his education was because of stories people would tell him. And uh, he loved to hear people talk about history and other educational disciplines. So Andy wasn't really all that happy being an apprentice at Selby's. He couldn't listen to the podcast nearly as much as he wanted to. And so after about five years, he and his brother both run away. And uh, Selby is like, hey, here's a reward. $10 if you uh, find them. I'll give you 10 bucks. And uh, I guess that sounds actually, <laughs> that sounds more like a bounty to me. Uh, <laughs> and Is it, that all you're worth? Yeah. It, it was kind of funny because he actually said, you know, if, uh, if anybody who delivers these two to me, I'll give them, you know, 10 bucks. Or if you just bring me Andrew Johnson alone, I'll give you 10 bucks for that too. So, you know, the brothers ended up going to North Carolina and uh, Andy worked as a tailor for several months. And he kind of got, you know, maybe a little hint through the grapevine that he might get arrested. So um, he didn't want to go back to Raleigh where he had been. So he moves down to Lawrence, South Carolina. And, he, you know, he's the, the typical American dream, right? He starts working. He meets his first love named Mary. Uh, he makes her a quilt as a gift. Basically, everybody's first date. Yeah. Man, poor guy. And uh, he goes back to Raleigh, tries to buy out his apprenticeship. But Selby's like, nope, buddy, you can sew really well. So I don't want you to go. And uh, <laughs> he's like, okay, I'm going to go west. So he leaves North Carolina, head over to Tennessee. And of course, he walks because that's kind of how you traveled from one place to another. He went all the way to Knoxville, but then moved to Mooresville, Alabama. And then he went to Columbia, Tennessee, where he worked as a tailor. But mom and stepdad said, hey, get back over here to Raleigh because we want you to come back. So Johnson and his peeps, they travel um, to Greenville, Tennessee. And if you've ever driven through Greenville, Tennessee, you'll think, man, this is a really pretty place. I could live here. And that's exactly what he thought he would do. So he purchased some land and uh, planted a tree and said, this is home. <laughs> so after he establishes his home, he decides to, yeah, I know how to tailor. Let's make a tailoring business. And he puts that right in front of his house. And uh, when he's 18 years old, he gets married to Eliza McArdle. And she's 16 years old at the time. And her 
father is a local shoemaker. And they were actually married, believe it or not, by Mordecai Lincoln, who was the Justice of the Peace. And uh, it's kind of a long way to get there, but Mordecai Lincoln is the first cousin of Thomas Lincoln, who is the father of Abraham Lincoln. So basically, Abraham Lincoln married the Johnson's family. Yeah, something pretty like much the that. same thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she had uh, tuberculosis, and uh, in the midst of all of that, they were married for fifty years. I guess we can talk more about that later. But yeah, uh, just know that Johnson he's doing the Taylor thing. He's uh, sewing, sewing everybody up, <laughs> or everybody's clothes, I guess, <laughs> and uh, he has some real estate ventures and he said that his work never ripped or gave way. He uh, continued reading and he became known as somebody who would like to participate in debates. And that was kind of what you did in East Tennessee back in that era, right? You debated and people went and saw you do that because, well, the internet access hadn't, gone south of i think probably the middle of virginia something like that sounds right timeline sounds right totally yeah so uh like all good people who were orders and voracious readers they go into politics right so that's exactly what he did and he helped organize a mechanics or like a kind of like a union um ticket in 1829 for the Greenville municipal election. And he was elected as an alderman and uh, Mordecai joined him. So in 1831, there was the Nat Turner slave rebellion. And that might be a good episode that we could dive into for quite some time. But basically a state convention was held and they were going to talk about passing a new constitution. And they wanted to, you know, basically have in there reasons why they could disenfranchise free people of color. And, you know, basically trying to undermine the the freed blacks. So, you know, there's some other things in this bill as well, in this new constitution. But the constitution gets submitted for, you know, the public vote that has to happen. And Andy is out there just really spitting his support for this thing getting picked up and adopted. And uh, he gets, you know, through this, he gets a lot of exposure. He goes all around the state uh, encouraging people to vote yes. And because of that, he, you know, has a really good rapport with people and they elect him as mayor of Greenville. Yeah. So he serves there for just a little bit and then he runs for a, what they called a floater seat in Greene County uh, for the Tennessee house of representatives. And he won because, let's face it, his debating ability became better and better. He could speak like no one else. And he pretty much rocked the vote uh, in 1835. So uh, I just cracked myself up, Ben. I don't know why. <laughs> so anyway, uh, something that's not worth being cracked up over is that he purchases his first slave named Dolly. Uh, She's only 14 years old, and over the years, she had three children, and um, he was known as being a kind slave owner. Um, 
however you want to take that. But um, there was some speculation that he perhaps may have been the father of uh, those three children. Um, But during those uh, days in the 1830s, he uh, joins the Tennessee militia, and he attains the rank of colonel. And get this, he uh, got fined for an unknown offense, and uh, after he was out of the military, people often called him colonel, kind of like they do me. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. Colonel Jason. Yeah. Goff. Colonel <laughs> Goff. Colonel Goff. Sorry. Uh, I was wrong about that. So whenever he is there in the legislature, um, which at that, that point was in Nashville, he really didn't vote with um, any party, which, you know, there's a lot to be said about that. He wasn't. Uh, voting with the Democratic Party. He wasn't voting with the Whig Party, which had just come about a few years previous. And, uh, I mean, he's really a big fan of Andy Jack, but he still doesn't vote one way or another consistently. So, uh, you know, this is a point in our history where the parties were kind of working out exactly what it was they stood for and exactly what it was they were organized around. Uh, But Johnson is really a minimal government guy he likes low spending he wants to keep the budget um you know making sense he thinks that you know companies that are not doing well should you know go out of business because that's the way the economy works so so he gets defeated in the 1837 race but after that he's on the up and up yeah so from this point forward he is a democrat and he is part of the big democratic political machine in Greene County. And because of this speaking ability that he has, people just come out in droves to hear him. And in 1840, he was selected as a presidential elector for Tennessee, and this gives him even more power. And even though in that particular election, because I would expect all of our listeners to know exactly who was elected in what year. Uh, <laughs> Marty. Uh, Marty lost to William Henry Harrison. Um, but during this time, Marty won. And Johnson played a pretty big part in making sure that Tennessee and Greene County uh, were very much Democratic voters. So he gets elected to the state Senate in 1841. And he's doing well in the tailor shop. But he sells it because he's like, I really like the politics thing. And all the while, he's purchasing real estate, gets a larger home, a farm. Um, He says, hey, mom, stepdad, come on up. And um, yeah, he acquires a few more slaves. So at this point, Andy has pretty much served in both houses of the state legislature. And so, hey, what's the next logical thing let's go to the country the whole the whole country let's be part of congress and this is kind of a point in time where he starts a little bit of maneuvering uh you know kind of the unfortunately the typical politician type feel where he wants to get the democratic support so he makes sure that the postmaster in greenville who's a whig is no longer in his position and he ends up beating John Aiken, who's an attorney in Jonesboro, by uh, just under a thousand votes. 
And so he gets into Washington. He's part of the Democratic majority in the House of Representatives. And he's like, hey, you know what? I've been this way all along. I think the poor need to be better represented. I think we need to make sure that slaves are still in place. Let's get rid of these abolitionists. Um, You know what? Government needs to have limited spending. So there he is. He's in Congress now and uh, really causing kind of a ruckus. Yeah. Um, Something that he really toes the party line on is he supports Polk's decision to fight in the Mexican war. So that was really the differentiator between a Democrat and a Whig or what would eventually become a Republican in that era. Also that concept of manifest destiny and just going ahead and wiping everybody out until you uh, got to the Pacific ocean. Anyway, have we ever done anything specifically on manifest destiny? I don't know. I think we had an episode named that one time, but it was more about the election that happened during the time of Manifest Destiny. Yeah. So Johnson, big time Manifest Destiny, Mexican War type guy. Yeah. Anyway, so if you remember in 1848, the Democrats were very much split. You had former President Marty uh, running as a Free Soil Party candidate, and then you got Lewis Cass running Um, he gets the support of Andrew Johnson. Um, So Marty doesn't win, Cass doesn't win, but the Whig nominee, Zachary Taylor, wins and actually carries Tennessee. And Johnson and Polk do not have a very good relationship at this point and um, not not very close at all. So things keep moving on, and the Whigs kind of dominate the politics in not only the country for a little while, but also in the state of Tennessee. And at one point, Andy was like, hey, you know what? I think I'm going to retire from politics, kind of. I'm, I'm not going to seek re-election. And then he like decides that and pretty much immediately regrets it, and uh, they try to get him nominated to be the governor. And... The Democratic Convention's like, yeah, we want him. Uh, We definitely want him. Some people are like, I don't really want him, but I don't want anyone else either, and we know he can win. And so they're really trying to get the Whigs out of there. And basically, Johnson wins the election by just a couple thousand votes, and he becomes the governor of Tennessee. Yeah, so the thing with Tennessee is it wasn't like the rest of the South. And that the Democrats didn't have, it wasn't just a lockstep thing that they would always go Democrat. Yeah, Andy Jack, very much Democrat, and Johnson, very much Democrat, and and others, Polk. Um, But the Whigs, while they were finding themselves on the decline nationally, they were very strong um, in the 1850s in the state of Tennessee. And... Johnson pulls it off. In 1853, he wins the governorship. So even though Johnson was the governor of Tennessee, he had very little power because, let's face it, when you have a legislature that was made up of primarily Whigs who opposed you, you didn't have much power. And Johnson finally decides, you know what, I'm not going to run for a third term in 
1856. So he's like, I'm going to run for Senate. So he decides to hang out for a year. So in 1857, he decides, I'm going to run. He's coming back from Washington. His train derails, and it causes serious damage to his right arm. And from that point forward, his right arm was kind of not very strong. I didn't know that about him. So while Andrew Johnson is in the Senate, he really is a big proponent for the Union, and he wants the Union to succeed. And, you know, he really has the ability to talk to Abraham Lincoln during this time, who is, of course, president, um, and kind of bend his ear whenever he has something to say. And he also has the opportunity to work closely with him and and get some things done. So uh, the Confederates are pretty much in Tennessee at this point, and Johnson spends a lot of the time. He's not in Congress in Kentucky and Ohio. And he's like, hey, anybody here, any of you union guys, do you want to go take over East Tennessee? Because I really would like to go back home uh, for, for a little while. So yeah, it didn't work out for him. None of them really wanted to listen. Uh, so it wasn't until after the war where he was able to, uh, uh, to see that happen. There's a lot that could be said about some of the nitty gritty details of this era. And we will pick up in part two with Johnson being the military governor of Tennessee. Hey, Ben, I've got yes. a great idea for you. Give it to me. Go you ahead. Need, go. You need to support an ugly Christmas sweater t-shirt like later this week because I need to support it like with my body. Yes. Okay. Through your whole self frame will support it. Yeah. (laughs) So, (laughs) Hey ladies and gentlemen, over the course of the next couple of weeks, we will be introducing new ugly Christmas sweater t-shirts to our collection. You can head over to electioncollege.com slash store and see what we have. Yeah, and if you want to make sure that you're not going to miss any single one of those, you can go ahead and follow us on our social media platforms. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Election College. And while you're rocking it out on the internet, head over to iTunes and leave us a rating and review because it helps us get this podcast in front of more awesome people just like you. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Talk to you next time. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.